This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And you can tell our friends and they can have my things when we're dead. Welcome to the Boys Cast with Ryan Long, first podcast exclusively for the boys. What an episode we have planned. Danny Mullen, if you guys know who he is, if you don't, you should. He's been doing this insane stuff, tons of people. He was one of the most recommended guests on the pod. And this guy just does wild stuff. He's blown up over the last little while and he's like a super interesting dude. In addition to that, everyone should be happy to know that I got verified on Twitter immediately. Within an hour, Andrew Yang, star fucker, adds me, you know, he he starts telling people he wants a piece of the action. He wants in on the Ryan Long business. So apparently, Mr. Yang wants to be part of the boys. And before we start, I've warned everyone. I told them it was coming. Sponsor number two is, and everyone knows, as I said, I've been very careful about picking the sponsorships. And this is one that I wanted, which is Manscaped. Is that not a pretty good sponsor for the boys, Manscaped? And they have these boxes that they just sent me one. So if you're watching on YouTube, I'll show you what it looks like. But basically all the different stuff comes in it. And it's essentially like the best present you can get something. So you can get 20% off of that. And it makes like a sick Christmas present or if you want to get it for yourself. Because as people know, I'm a pretty big shaver. (laughs) People always kill me on it. Because I uh, I I was big chest shaver, which I have a big tattoo there. So I think that's part of it. Armpit shaver. Uh, my buddy, uh, my buddy Waldo, he used to always fucking, <laughs> he used to always shave his legs, but he also had big tattoos on his legs. My buddy, like my best friends from Toronto, but he used to always say, sometimes you just get a little carried away in the shower. You start shaving, but the boys cast is, has an official manscaped sponsorship and you use the promo code BOYSCAST for 20% off. And with Christmas coming, it is time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. And the boys all have perfect packages. I don't need to tell you. Nice pieces. There was also a lot of uh, package talk with Danny Mullen. <laughs> and a big part of it is uh, they have the way that they've designed it is so you can't get cut. You know, they have all these like guards and stuff because that's another uh, going back to my friend. He used to always say that he had so many cuts on his dick. And he used to always be like, yeah, yeah, I'm off limits for two weeks. And like, What's going on with you? He goes, yeah, I don't know. I'm bad at shaving. So, but everyone's had that. And then you start like dicking around with it. And then it just never goes away. And you can't really just have cuts on your dick because girls think that, you know, potentially you're a fucking herb case. <laughs> it's the last thing you want, especially with a new one. You show up and you got cuts on it. So you were going to want this. 
And don't just use the same trimmer for your face as you're using on your balls, which I definitely have. They also have, uh, it comes, the package comes with a different trimmer for each. And Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put the deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Maybe your body or probably smell good, but... And it comes with boxers. It comes with a whole bunch of other stuff. The whole box is pretty solid in general. So get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BOYSCAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code BOYSCAST. Clean your nuts and make Santa proud this year. So everyone has been very kind to support the sponsors. And I only have good ones. So if you support the sponsor, you support me. And now... Getting into the episode with the man, the legend, Danny Mullen. Danny motherfucking Mullen. You know what? You have a hat on right now. You look very British. That's the first thing that I thought when before oh. I heard you talk. I was like, oh, it's like a British guy. Oh, do I, mate? I was just what is that Australian? I don't know. I was just watching a video that I'm editing and I'm handcuffed to a railing in a restaurant it's a long story this stunt we pulled and there's an english restaurant manager who's in my face talking shit to me so i'm familiar with british people right now they're fresh <laughs> in my psyche see i i think the the danny mullen story is cool because i fucking when i when i like in the last six months i had like five or six people there was a few names that kept popping up that people yeah. kept being like you got to check this guy out and they're always like, oh, this guy's wild. And, you know, you're always like, yeah, I bet he's fucking so wild. Yeah. And then I went and I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty fucking wild. <laughs> yeah. But and then you, I talked to you and you were like, oh, yeah, you kind of had the same thing where, yeah. uh, you know, people reached out. So you've been also kind of killing it in COVID, right? Absolutely, man. I take pride in the fact that the day the entirety of Los Angeles locked down, our crew was on a mission in Los Angeles to film. We took no heat of it from hour one. And um, I'm glad I did. A lot of YouTubers stopped uploading and they started putting out shitty in quarantine content. And I just didn't stop and there were no consequences. I don't think I got COVID. And uh, we prospered from it, the channel. You know, it's such an interesting time for that because it really is like separating the, you know, the. it's kind of like when you're, if you're doing stand up and, it's easy for everyone to kill when there's a good set, but then now they sort of took everything away and it's separating like who's a pussy and who's not. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I I do see it, I guess, as a pussy, not pussy thing. I think the whole thing's fucking stupid, honestly. I haven't checked the stats, but I'm pretty sure more people have died from smoking camel lights this year than from the coronavirus. <laughs> but we're choosing to shut down the entire economy in some states. And uh, I'm pretty much will... I'm in the mindset that I'm ready to die on any video shoot I go out on anyway. So the coronavirus didn't change it much for me. It's kind of like, you know how uh, with like chicks, when people are like, oh, yeah. you, have to, you have to. Yeah, chicks rule, right? You're like, yeah. you have to not care to be good at girls. Yeah. It's sort yeah. of like with someone like you. That's why it's like, well, I can tell that you're actually fucking kind of a wild man. Like even with yeah. the corona stuff. Where it's like, they're, you know, they're like, oh, they're going to make it 10 people in the house. Maybe they'll make it eight. You're like, I mean, make it one. I don't give a shit because I'm not obeying any of it. Like, you can make it zero people in my house allowed. It's going to be irrelevant to me. Yeah. No, I think that's a good mindset with COVID or without to not really give a shit. Because so many people on YouTube, since things have become... 
I mean, basically, since Trump has been in office, there's been a lot of PC social justice warrior backlash toward a lot of people. And a lot of big YouTubers have been apologizing, deleting tweets, completely cleaning up their content. Yeah. And I think that is such a short term fear move that isn't going to lead anywhere good. And people like us who continue doing what we think is funny are going to stand out in stark relief and it's going to benefit us in the end. Dude, it's such a fear thing. And it's like the fear basically like fear in addition to a million other things. It just makes everyone have the same points. It makes everyone have the same content. And yeah. you go, I think that's what it is true where there's a little bit of it's not even fear as much as like they don't have the consequence, the the confidence to deal with the consequences. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, I doubt you're like irrational. You're like, OK, this stuff could happen. But you're like, yeah, OK, well, then it'll happen. You're like, oh, yeah, people get mad at you. OK, then people could get mad because a lot of people are sort of the they're not like confident who they are or their like belief system. But some people also are just kind of, you know, they're like wired to have low risk tolerance or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Some people are just in it for the money, which being just in it for the money is uh, ironically a bad way to make money. People like me and you who are in it because we have strong convictions about the world and what's funny and not funny. Well, uh, we'll stick to our guns and it'll pay off, I guess. Yeah, it really oh. is like, there's so many people that I, f I feel like that's another thing when it comes to you see the people that their fans kind of like run them. Like there's so many people yeah. that they, you know, with like a band, there's the certain like bands and musicians that they kind of like create a style and they create like a way to dress and their fans all start dressing them. Again. And then there's the other bands that it's almost like they're looking at their fans being like, hey, what are we dressing like? And yeah. it's all it all boils down to that thing where you're like, oh, you didn't have any opinions to begin with. Yeah, this is all just out of the gate. You're all just looked around and you go, what do people do? OK, I'll do that. And then Absolutely. you just end up having the same opinions, the same everything as everybody else. Yeah, or someone like even, you. Yeah, you th you thrive in the darkness. People I, are like, <laughs> I love it, dude. I don't even read my comments or my messages because I don't want any input, even from dedicated fans, because then I start thinking in my head out on a shoot. Oh, uh, skater punk 66 told me in the comment section that I need to do more of this thing. And then I start thinking when I'm on shoots about what that guy said, and I'm trying to do more of that when it should be like you mentioned, like a uh, like a trend setting fucking band like that. That should be our attitude like Nirvana fucking their vision was to turn punk a little poppy and make it a little more palatable Then six million other asshole bands rolled in and tried the same thing. And nobody ever heard about any of those guys again or they their career lasted one album. You got to be the the originator and to do that. You got to generate ideas from within. What do you think your brand is? What do you consider it? That's a good question. I'm I, I'm having a hard time even figuring that out, dude. I just I write some funny ideas down for videos and I try to come up with some sort of overarching story. Yeah, and we go out and do it. I think my brand is Ryan. Um, doing what I think is funny with a little bit of mind paid to what's going to piss people off. And um, raising a middle finger to all the drones I went to college with who are now working at Morgan Stanley and uh, raising a middle finger to all the YouTubers out there who are doing ad friendly content and ads yeah. for Procter Gamble. Do you, well, I, I'll tell you, you are kind of a bit of like a trendsetter. I mean, it's, this happens to me, too. It's almost like you remember when uh that thing where no one could run like a 10 second 100 meters and then as soon as yeah. one person did it you know yeah. like 10 other people did it that year because you kind of yeah. realize it's possible mm -hmm. and same with like that happens in like business and everything else but i think 
with I see that with me where I'll, I'll like do something no one else is doing it then immediately 10 other people can do it and I remember with you yeah I saw a few of those where I kind of felt like I was like oh you can do that like I remember the one that yeah. sticks out to me is when you your what's your co-host name Leo so Leo, Leo got yeah Leo got like a me too he got me too yeah after he was on the bachelorette the popular <laughs> show that's watched right. by like six billion people he was sort of an asshole on that show. He fucked around with the other guys, like talk shit to him. And then a uh, disgruntled girl who probably was 30 pounds overweight and had no romantic prospects. She tweeted out something. He had messaged her when he was in college. It was, I guess, a comment <laughs> underneath <laughs> one of her Facebook photos. And she was posing in a swimsuit. And he wrote, you need my big dick, <laughs> which is maybe the douchiest yeah. thing you could ever do. But it's kind How of How big is his dick, by the way? Um, it's slightly above average. He yeah. might say it's firmly above average. I'm going to say but, he's like uh, a 6.5, but in his mind, he's like packing massive heat. Absolutely. In his mind, he's 6.7 at least. Cause you're right. If you're a tiny bit above average, that means tons of girls have told you you had a nice piece. So uh, <laughs> I fucking wish that are true. I think I might be a couple millimeters above average, but I've heard my dick is small way more than I've heard. It's big girls again, say your dick is small. <laughs> no, you know, I had a nasty habit, Ryan, of when I was in college, just walking around naked through my fraternity house down the street of Westwood, so, totally soft. And I've got one of my nuts looks like it has elephantitis. It just swelled up the day I hit puberty. Dude, I just and, talked about this. I had the same thing. <laughs> and mine never came back to earth, though. It's still big. And so from a, like, uh, a perspective point of view, it's awful. Yeah. It makes my limp cock look tiny. So the nuts is the issue. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, if I could be, if I were neutered, I would be sort of sad, but part of me would be psyched. Like if I'd been an opera singer in the 1700s where they did that, it would be all good for my penis's career. <laughs> so you go okay so this guy gets the me the me too allegation how big of a deal was it it was pretty big because that was i think in early 2018 so we're talking six months after harvey weinstein and louis ck fell also he was that fame you get from the bachelorette is really fleeting but it's really powerful when it's there because again yeah. i think they get real numbers like 32 million viewers it's one of the most viewed programs in the world and who's the audience 99 percent women who tend to be the ones that get all riled up about me too obviously women so I, he had to take off all the comments on his instagram he had to disable those were people just killing him Oh, death threats constantly. Tons of people making videos. People would say things to him in public. It was bad. Wow. I and know all because you're... so in high school, he wrote a thing saying my dicks. Yo, you got to check yeah, out this dick. He was a senior <laughs> in college, but still, it was a while ago. He's Dude, my friend. Now. My friend the other day was literally like he, he, he was he's like, I've been I, I sent too many dick pics like back in the day. And he started going through his Instagram like he went like 200 you know, fucking pages deep trying to find every man. He was trying to unsend all the messages. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, dude, it's shit that he sent at 3 a.m. like eight years ago. <laughs> dude, it's absolutely a valid fear. I did the same thing. Oh, it's Twitter, the number Facebook. one fear. Yeah. And uh, I sent a lot of dick pictures. Unfortunately, I just talked about limp penis is, is my great weakness. I used to send dick pictures, not only with my cock limp, but with my face in them when I yeah. was 20 or 21. And <laughs> I know there are probably 10 to 15 of those floating around that are, I assume they're going to surface someday. Oh, well, I have the same course. thing, but I have all these tattoos and stuff too. But oh. I was a little, I'm 35. So what, you're 30, right? 31. Just turned okay. 31. So you're a tiny bit younger than me, but there was, mm -hmm. I, I when I went to university, 
like there wasn't really the dick pic culture because the phones were shittier. <laughs> you had to yeah. mail a Polaroid of your dick, old fashioned yeah. style. Yeah. And, and and it's good for me actually because me too. Not not me too, but me too. I yeah. was sending dick pictures when it was flip phone, and so I'm almost positive nobody still possesses the flip phone that has That's my dick cache. That's the best part. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, we, so- we did most of our scum dogging before mobile apps even existed. So I, I think we got kind of lucky. Whereas kids who were coming of age right before 2017 might be fucked because they every inappropriate be. thing they ever sent is in the cloud or in the Instagram DMs. That's not good. Dude, I've been watching like, well, I pay attention to like alternative press and the band sites and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they don't even report news anymore. They literally just report like, well, another one down. You, another rock star. You're like, oh, this band. You're like, oh, they have a yeah. you know a new album coming out. You're like, no, their guitar tech showed his nuts in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just nonstop. And one of my favorite bands, brand new. You probably know about Jesse Lacey. You got yeah. me too. A New York guy. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, he had well, a couple. <laughs> yeah, he was one of the best lyricists of that movement. I, I mean, I guess the music was pretty good too, but I loved them. They were my favorite band in high school. Really? And it came out that, yeah, I loved them in high school. And it came out, their new album, Science Fiction's fucking kick ass too. It came out in 2017. But it also came out, unfortunately, that uh, yeah. Jesse Lacey was stroking himself on like an early form of Skype with a 15 year old when he was. <laughs> oh, I remember. It, yeah, I remember it, that. And it was alleged. And then he and sort of came no out. Evidence. Didn't he come out? Didn't he come out and apologize? And he was like, I have a wife now. And I, you know, whatever. I was an alcoholic. They always say that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was a very general apology for a lot of philandering over many years. But he didn't deny it. So maybe it's true. They had the. So I, I, I used to like be part owner of this website called The Hard Times. And we did like a festival in California that they headlined. And it, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people. I, I'm a little older like they were i was more into like punk so they were a little uh kind of uh younger for me i think mm-hmm. but when i was uh when we did this festival they played okay so they went on the stage and they this light show they played in the background where there were shadows you couldn't see them mm-hmm. and they just stood there so you it, like they might as well not even have been there yeah they had this insane light show four of them were standing there all you saw was a shadow for 40 minutes and i was like this is the worst thing i've ever seen <laughs> Like they it sounded a- good, but it was crazy. I go, who's like, who let them do this? <laughs> no yeah, one's like, yeah, this sucks, dude. Their last tour, there was a wall separating them from the crowd. Like it, it was a fucking Roger Waters Pink Floyd production. There was a literal glass wall that dropped down and separated them from the audience. But that was their thing. They were an enigma. They didn't do any interviews. They didn't right. promote any albums in their last. He just did Skype interviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it- without any kind of dialogue to it. Well, these guys took physical. Yeah, dude, these guys took uh, his allegation and they went on the streets and they were like, hey, this is the Me Too allegation, trying to pick up girls with the Me Too allegation. It was a little bit like that. I mean, even with me, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I would have had the balls to do that. But then now you go like, maybe I now I'm me and Leo, me and Leo. So so now when I see that, I'm like, if anything, now I would like go further. So it always, yeah. it kind of reminds me of in Toronto, like me and my four comedian friends that were kind of like inventing this little style of comedy. Mm-hmm. It was always that. It was always someone would do something. And then it wasn't even that, oh, and now I could do that. It was like, oh, now I go farther. You have to one up them. So I mm-hmm. think it's, I mean, do you consider yourself part of a movement with like the Nelk boys and that? What's that other guy? His name is Danny too. He's like your buddy, isn't he? Danny Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's wild um, too. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I feel like they are more lifestyle YouTubers. Yeah, you're comedy, I don't think, but they're doing exactly. crazy ass shit. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And they're wildly successful and they're really good guys. And both of them have helped me out a lot, both squads. But yeah, I guess I am more rooted in comedy and a little, there's a little less concern for editing or for churning out the hottest merchandise every month in massive quantities, which I mean, I wish I was good at that stuff, but you got to pick your thing and there's only so much time in the day. I know, dude. They're fucking. Those guys are like legitimately merch companies. I was just talking about this, oh, but it, it, it's kind of funny. To but those guys, the Nelk Boys, are funny. Like they, because they're from Canada. So I remember when they were doing straight up. Like I mean, they still do pranks, but I get what you mean. It's more of a lifestyle thing. But then, yeah, I remember what was funny to them for me originally was when they were going to the hockey arenas and pretending they were scouts. Oh yeah, and I was like, okay, these guys are fucking funny. They're you dude, do they're this, really funny. They're tremendously do, funny in person. Too. Yeah. And you do the same thing where you do like the 40 minutes every week, which is fucking nuts. Yeah. Why do you do like whenever I, there is a part of me that I mean, I, people always say that to me. They're like, why do you, you know, you do so much content or whatever. And I kind of watched you and I was like, like, why don't you just do 20 minutes a week? Like, What's the benefit of doing 40? It seems so crazy. My business model is I have a Patreon, too, where I release unused content. So there's a big incentive to shoot more than we need. So we have a yeah. good product to put out on Patreon. And then also, I don't know, I read in a book once, I think it was a Tony Robbins book, that the way to get rich is just to give, give, give. And I work six days a week. I take one day off. And six days is a lot of days to get shit done. So I have a lot of time to write and prepare. And I have the money now where I can fly out my team. We can buy a lot of props, book Airbnbs, tours for like museums or like a, yeah. on a fucking roller coaster. Do whatever I need to get the content. So I just feel that now it's my responsibility to put out as good of a product as I can. And that's that means for me a lot of good stuff in a week, not just a quick 10-minute video. I know. What's... What's like the, were you a big into fucking Tom Green and like Ali G and all that stuff? Ali like, G, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure just like you, um, he's now dead to us after seeing the, the new Amazon. <laughs> the Dude, new Amazon with, uh, Kurt, was garbage. Yeah, I'm friends with uh, Kurt Metzger. He wrote on Who is America. And, yeah, uh, I like, like Kurt Metzger. He's a badass. Yeah, he's super funny. But he, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I guess I won't t say what he like said about him behind the scenes. But like, it sounds like. Uh, I would love to hear what Kurt Metzger said about <laughs> Can you at least give me a hint? He said he's, the, he said he's a genius. No, but there's with uh, <laughs> no. I'm not gonna let you get past this. It seems no, but like he knows him. I think the gist is that like with all these people, it's that it's they don't even like see the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like with someone like Sasha Baron Cohen, if you said that, okay, for example, you know the fact that you or like a, at for censorship and stuff like that. Like nothing you did like coming up would be able to be on any of these platforms under the yeah. rules that you're out there like championing, right? Yeah. And they have like, they don't even have a problem with that hypocrisy. Like they're almost a little bit innocent and maybe part of that's they came up at a different time and now they're like so in the system that like didn't really, this like system of censorship and, you know, mm -hmm. taking people off air the way that it does now almost didn't exist in their era Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a level of naivety more than it is a level of like sinisterness. We were talking about at the top of the show, YouTubers who after Trump got in office and after me too, disavowed all their old content and said, hey, I'm a new person now. It's I apologize for everything. Sasha Baron Cohen is maybe the greatest example of that because the Ollie G show, the original one is my comedy Bible. I've seen every episode countless times. Bruno was great. The original Borat was great. 
some of the other stuff he did, the dictator kind of stunk, but it didn't upset me. It wasn't no, yeah, vile. Was Dude, this last Borat sequel was just a propaganda piece. There was right. no there was no sense of levity. There was no passion behind it. They shoehorned in bits about Facebook ad hate speech that just came out of nowhere. <laughs> had nothing to do with the plot. I was thoroughly disgusted, and I was watching a hero die slowly as I completed the film. Well, he actually did one worse than uh, what you're like, and I, I've talked about this before, but he, in my opinion, he did one worse than disavow his oath content. He rewrote history where he's like, no, my content was actually fighting the power. <laughs> you know, he goes, he said that I was making Borat to fight homophobia and, you know, to fight anti-Semitism. And I always said like, okay, well, why were you fucking with feminists at the rally? What were you fighting there? It's like, no, you thought it was funny. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of a big counter example to that, but I don't, I don't think that he necessarily was doing that or not doing that. He was just doing what you and I do. He right, was, of course, he was doing true comedy where the point was to get a laugh. And then maybe the secondary effect was for you to think a little bit about society and what made those jokes funny. Yeah. But now it's just, I had a professor once in a screenwriting class who said, it's all about story. If you have something to say, that thing should announce itself in the process of crafting a good story. You can't lead with a thing you want to say. Otherwise it's going to turn everybody off. Sasha Baron Cohen, unashamedly led with what he wanted to say in Borat 2 and it was uninteresting and it was offensive. Well when you me. make when you make content like that, you're actually not trying to change people's opinions. You're trying to like reassure the people that like you, but more so you're trying to like gain their approval by like doing something mean to the people that they disagree with. Yeah. Right? So it's it's not like trying to convince anyone of anything. You're like, look, I'll give a shot to them too. We're kicking them while they're down. Like, okay, good, mm -hmm. I'll get it. Right? Look, I I did my kick like a good like you know yeah. guard yeah and that's another thing is i politically i would say i'm conservative but not aggressively so i would say i'm like a moderate conservative or like a libertarian what does that even mean okay so what does that mean like because you grew up where like the midwest or whatever no no i grew up in california northern california oh but, okay but like a, a good example of my upbringing is my dad is conservative he didn't like obama at all but he also refused to vote for trump he wrote in like john mccain during the trump hillary election okay but uh but i the reason i tend to lean conservative now is because it's the unpopular thing to do yeah. i said earlier <laughs> But a little bit. I, I do mostly what I think is funny, but a little bit of a little bit of it is to piss people off. Like we just went and tailgated voting for Trump for a video, right. and that was just purely to piss people off. Like so, it, it seems so uncool to me to do what Jimmy Kimmel or Seth Meyers does and just like suck the anti-Trumper left-wing social justice warriors' dicks like Sasha Baron Cohen did. There's no bravery in that. Well, everyone's it's already like, saying it too. So even like artistically, there's nothing there because even if you think you yeah. agree with that point it's been made ten thousand times you know by yeah. big platforms <laughs> yeah even if, totally. you, even if you do agree with it i like yeah i thought the tailgating stuff was funny it was like you're yeah. just like and people are like you're not supposed to do that and you're like okay well we did like what are you gonna do about it i, yeah. I was doing interviews and pe so many people were like oh like recently a lot of people be like so how do you do that stuff like aren't you afraid or whatever and i'm kind of like for one, this is like right now is the least crazy version of myself. Like when mm -hmm. I was younger, I was like an actually insane person. Now yeah. I'm, you know, saying controversial things like yeah. which is pales in comparison to the kind of shit. That's why with Sasha Baron Cohen and the same with, I mean, you're only a little bit younger than me, but those other guys, probably some of those YouTubers are like 25 and I feel like I'm kind of in the middle or whatever. But there is this thing of 
you can never be really like as crazy or energetic as the young guys. Like when you watch, when I watch myself 25, I'm like, I can never be that crazy again. But then when you watch someone that's like older than you, a lot of times you're like, well, yeah, but they don't, have, they're better, right? Like I've watched these young people and I'm like, yeah, but I'm way better at this than them. Yeah. And so you want to be, you want to keep getting better and you're going to lose some of that edge and some of that fearlessness as you get older. I don't older. know, man. It's, it depends. There are people like Jeff Bezos from Amazon who's working harder than he ever did and he's worth $69 trillion. Or but he's whatever. not as fearless. I, he wouldn't do any moves that would potentially turn that company into zero, right? Like it's, it's about taking those like crazy shots. Like I feel like even Danny Mullen would might do something that like might get you arrested for two years. Whereas like I might be a little more apprehensive than I would when I was 25 to do something no. like really the next level crazy or the same. I mean, I definitely draw the line about doing anything illegal. And uh, I have a tremendous respect for the police. And I'll always tell them that when they come and I never fuck around with the police or be a dickhead. We've been stopped by officers maybe like 10 times. And they've always just been like, oh, that's pretty funny what you're doing. All right, you guys are good to go. Right. So I don't think I... I, so you I think you're at your peak craziness right now? <laughs> yeah, I guess. But like, I've worried about that, that once I have enough money to retire, that I'll just retreat to doing podcasts. And but I don't think it's, it's I don't think it's that 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 uh, I mean, maybe you're taking it like more negatively than what I'm saying, because I'm seeing it sort of as a positive. It's like you like the trick is to just improve at your craft and your like humanity and everything you're doing in your life, whether that be business. And it's and even if that's 30 percent and then if you get 10 percent less, you know, crazy with yeah. whatever that be like your relationship, your business, it's just and some of that craziness that you had when you're younger is irrational. So yeah. it does make sense to sort of you'll be a perfect example of something that when I see think of like stunts or whatever, like the kind of stuff we do. Right. When I was like 20, I was just doing these insane stunts. And when I look back, really, all of it was okay, let's try to get kicked out of places. Like, I didn't yeah. really know. How, I had one trick in my thing. I needed, like, an Me event. Too. You know, When I talk too. about, like, a taxable yeah. event, it was kind of like, yeah. just keep doing this bit. Like, I guess until security comes, and that's, yeah. like, th that'll become the gag, getting kicked it, out. Absolutely. And same here. <laughs> and I did, even as recently as six months ago, getting kicked out of places was, was my only gag. <laughs> and also... I had to be I had to be shit faced all the time in my videos. We had the same couple of tropes. We'd ask guys to pull their cock out. Yeah, We'd try to make <laughs> out with ugly chicks. And now that no, you're totally right. It, it had the focus has absolutely become less on I'm going to get blacked out and upset a bunch of people, and has become more of how can I improve as a performer and stay sober that I so that I can write better material for the shoot. So when yes. I lose in sheer craziness, as you said, I do make up for in depth of the material. Clear yeah, I'm watching your stuff. It's like clearly that you like really know how to do this. You know what I mean? And it's like you kind of oh, thanks, man. you probably have like 20 to 100 tricks that, you know, anyone. That's why a lot of people when I'm doing interviews, people go like, oh, how long does it take you to get the right guy? And you're like, I don't get the right guy. I just ask anyone. Then I have 100 questions I could ask. Yeah, I kind of like I understand the like craft of doing that. And then there's the other thing like you can watch even your videos. Like I feel like I see some like Howard Stern stuff where you have your you have your crew, which is kind of yeah. like you're like developing your like whack pack and you understand yeah, exactly. like yeah. how to. So there's yeah, there's just like so much more to like that world that comes more than just like, hey, I'm like the craziest guy that's like can go to the bar and like get beat up and whatever. Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it becomes, um, to me, doing that over and over is like a comedian who releases an HBO special or a Netflix special, and then you see him live the next year and he's doing the same shit. Yeah. For me, it's like, not because we put out content so often, it's like, not only can we not do the same jokes again, but I don't even like to repeat the same skeletal structure of comedy. Gotcha. Like if, I'm us- if I'm using the same comedic device... And uh, whether that be, I don't know, getting kicked out of somewhere, doing something obnoxious in public until we get kicked out, that has to develop and have a new, like something we, here's an example. Instead of just getting kicked out or causing a public disturbance, we just did a video based on Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. And there's a character in that novel named Pew, who's a blind beggar. He's a pirate though. And he raids Jim Hawkins' inn looking for a treasure map. The British cavalry comes in all the pirates scatter and pew gets trampled because he's too blind to find his way away (laughs) so we just turned that into dining and ditching while blindfolded i came in dressed as a pirate with a blindfold my my buddy leo got me too dumped out all of his food on the ground after the server brought it out called the server a cocksucker then handcuffed me to a post in the (laughs) restaurant and fled so not only were we kicked out but i couldn't leave physically because i was handcuffed And like, that's a new comedic skeleton versus just going in and causing a ruckus and getting asked to leave. Yeah. Physically. And you kind of knew, like, you don't necessarily need the taxable event for that to be funny. I like using the word taxable event. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means. I was I'm, saying that. I'm you know, you know, oh, yeah, you know it was making me laugh yesterday that, uh, so I was, I have this joke where I say that, uh, like men have the mo- gay guys have the most sex, lesbians have the least, se- or the or straight people have the second most, then lesbians have the, have the least sex at zero because you need a penis for sex. Mm. And I was saying that like that uh, wouldn't do lesbians have sex. There's no taxable event. So <laughs> taxable event is like the government can't take money from you unless there's an event. Like if you have stocks, like uh-huh. you have to sell it. To, if you just own the stocks, the government can't get their money. But once you sell it, there's like a taxable event. Now they can okay. take their money. That's so good to know. That, I just got need... into stocks like everybody else did when the market crashed. So I, right. I haven't sold any yet, but I'm glad I have. Nice. Yeah, I was saying so, like you need a dick like to have a taxable event for sex. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's true. What they're doing, it's just, it's just creating friction. There's no fucking going on there. <laughs> Do you know what the other thing is? Uh, there's something about like you guys, and I feel like hopefully I have this too with, with certain people. Because a lot of times I'll see people that you you watch for the first time and you're like whoa what is what the hell is this and then mm-hmm. you kind of re- then you kind of see like oh it took them forever to get there or, like develop that thing which just seems so weird at the time maybe i'm explaining this bad but there's something about even when you're talking about being like conservative uh the way that you are now because you know the way society moved and the way you're in opposition to it it feels like um there's also like just like a aggressive masculinity to like what you guys are doing where you just fucking it's like there's so much like raw like testosterone where you're just like going and like fucking around and just like so unapologetic do you like find that yeah it's part of the whole pissing off society right now because you have to treat women like they are on people holy shrine yeah (laughs) that's the people thing that's really pissing me off (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, it's just it's part of the whole rebelling against what you what you're supposed to do right now, according to universities and according to big tech. We call chicks gash. We uh, uh, I guess that's about the extent of it. Basically, we just call chicks gash. That's <laughs> but the it's not even some. It's not even about women. It's just like this energy of like you're. There's this. I think it's that like we're just gonna act the way that like a group of guys hang out. Do you know who Dax Shepard is? So he's this huge podcaster, right? He's like the biggest, probably like the, you know, after like Joe Rogan, like second or third biggest podcast. And I listened to him on an interview and he, I kind of, you know, I get why he's like a talented broadcaster, but everything with him is very, it's always like, you know, how did he come to terms with his, you know, demons and he used to be a drug addict and now he's, mm-hmm. you know, looking inside himself and what does make me happy. And it's, it's like a lot of that kind of talk, right? Okay. You know, what does, what is that? What does Dax need? Like, what is, what should I, and he's, you know, talk whenever he talks to people and I'm always like, Oh, who gives a shit? And then I heard him talking. He's like, he was discussing his ad ads and stuff like that. And he was like, well, I know a lot of people come on here cause we sell a lot of books because our audience is 90% female. And I was like, oh, fucking, of course it is. Yeah. That makes sense. And I was like, uh. Because in my mind, I was like, why is this guy so big? Like, who would want to listen to this? And it's like, girls, that's fucking you. You know, it's all about them. And I feel like, you know what I mean? So there's, and it's all like, even guys, it's like all the energy is just fucking for chicks right now. So I think that's. Yeah. And it's it's actually surprising. My statistics on YouTube say that one percent of my audience is female, but there are a, <laughs> the one percent chicks. A lot of fucking chicks, and some of them are even like hot ass chicks, are into the channel. They're drawn to that masculine energy of too. Of course, like they that, were with bands. Like my my it's girlfriend. Not for, it's not pandering to them. It's the same with yeah. every band. Sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but it's like every band. It was like if the girl if it it's like girls like the bands that the guys liked. And then if the girls like them first, the guys don't want anything to do with it. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not content for girls. Girls just yeah. fucking, you know, they like the yeah. masculine energy. But yeah, sorry about your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my girlfriend and her friends, um, I mean, they are, I mean, it's actually, maybe people will find this repulsive, but my girlfriend's 21. She's in college still. And <laughs> they, yeah, <laughs> I'm a classy guy. But they have these mandatory programs they have to watch now on like white privilege and socioeconomic disadvantage that yeah. they all must watch before they register for classes and her and all of her friends are just they hate this they watch it on mute and just collectively talk shit about having to do this so that audience like enlightened not shitty not pussified people exist in both genders but yeah i think that the, what we do, just the being guys talking shit and talking about getting pussy and getting fucked up. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I guess that's part of it. And that comes from like the, the stern vibe from the early nineties too, that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. You've got some fucking crazy characters. Who's uh, so you have like, was the one thing you had a fucking, that kind of like reminded me, I was like stern for some reason is you had that dude, ASAP fatty. Is that that guy's name? Yeah. He was coming on your uh, show. Airsoft fatty. Okay. So this guy was coming on Danny's show and like yeah. before he was on, I this is when I was listening to your podcast. You're like, this guy's a fat fuck. He's gonna die. <laughs> He's go. And then apparently he called in and he was like, I don't want to come in anymore because you've been making fun of me for twenty minutes. Yeah, I, I said at some point that if you cross the threshold of four hundred pounds, you should have to drive by yourself in a car to Montana with a puff <laughs> adder on the dashboard. That should be the way in which a fat person has to commit suicide once they get to four hundred. And I think that scared him a little bit. I don't think he was eager to come into a, that sort of environment. But he came, he came around the next week and he's sixty nine. Yeah. Our producer. We had him to sit on our producer's face, which was a lot of fun. And he loved it. He had a great time. It's, it's no, it seems like a fun. funny dude. Yeah. 
Yeah, that I, guy, he, he, uh, that's one thing I don't really like to do is he got popular because this dude, iDubs, who's a giant YouTuber who got huge through a content cop series where he would basically talk shit about all the top YouTubers' content. iDubs did a documentary on this big fat guy and the big fat guy blew up. Oh, but he basically me, said he sucks. And then like people were like, no, no he doesn't. Oh, no, no, no. He actually went out to his house and he shot a really high budget documentary. Okay, it was okay. sweet. It was awesome. And this guy is just like a fat redneck who lives in Michigan. But I take pride in not being one of these collaboration dudes. You're like, oh, this hot social media person's in L.A. We got to shoot a video together. Right. Like we found this dude at a comedy show named I gave him the name Rat Dick Ralph. And he was a mushroom and LSD addict who got fired from work from various workplaces every single week. And we <laughs> made him, Ryan, shave his head and get a tattoo up there. And uh, he eventually lost his mind and beat the shit out of his girlfriend. But what I'm saying is it's important to <laughs> cultivate your own character. You're saying this guy rules is what you're saying. This guy fucking rules. We Coors Light, fucking Stone Cold style. Yeah, dude. Black guy for the girlfriend, now. boys. Yeah, but like I, it's it becomes this thing in LA where it's like high school, and it's like, oh, are you collaborating with them? Oh, there's a little drama between these two cliques. It's like, fuck that! I just want to find psychos and put them on camera. Yeah, all of that stuff's a little bit of all of that stuff's a little bit of a, a replacement for actually like making good things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it comes back to the, that lemming philosophy that we were talking about. Everybody's going one way politically. Everybody's going one way content-wise. P- these people don't want to think for themselves. They just If somebody else did a video with this guy, he must be cool, right? No, not necessarily. Yeah, I know. We used to. I used to love, like, I, when I was uh, younger, like, in the band days, I had this, like, crazy click that there was this guy, Gary, and he was, like, 50 years old. And he used uh-huh. to just come to shows and then eventually we're like, yo, want to come on tour with us? <laughs> and so he's like, I'll be your bus driver. And he showed up and he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I don't have my license. We're like, all right, I guess you can sell T-shirts. But uh-huh. he had this son and he, I remember like the funniest thing that sticks out, but how crazy this guy was. I remember he was there with his son who he brought on tour with us once, too. And his son was like 16 and he was like, dad, can I have money for food? And he was like, you don't have any money. And he was like, dad, you just bought a two four of beer. And he goes, you know, beer doesn't count. Like <laughs> this is the kind of guy. And then he's just always perfect. Yeah, just an insane person. We did the same thing, like got him to get tattoos. And like now thinking back, like he was having sex with 20 year old girls. We're like, yeah, that was kind of a lot. But it was like, yeah, you create your own fucking like world and you don't really need other people in it, you know, or at least you kind of once in a while you see someone that you like. Like I saw you. There's a few other people. There's this kid, Aiden, that I put in a bunch of my videos. He does one minute talk show that like I just watched his things and I was like, okay, this guy's good. And there's some comedians in New York, but it's like. It's not about collaborating once. It's more like, oh, I actually kind of fucking like what this guy's doing, you know, and you sort of actually build like some real relationships. But where in New York are you guys? I'm in the East Village. So you're right in the city. Yeah. How is it right now? I know generally it's probably pretty desolate and there's a lot of shit boarded up. Do you see it turning around? Do you like it? Are you planning on fleeing yourself? Well, I've only been here. I was here for five months because I only moved here from Canada a year ago. Okay. So I'm, I've only been here for five months and then all this stuff happened. So I don't really know. I don't really have like the plan. Like if I, the thing is, New York is still going to be the best place in the world for stand up. Like a lot of people I've been in Austin a few times, like and everyone's like there is like this is the new spot. But it's like it won't be for stand up. Like, yeah, the pro- New York's the only place that has like, you know, 15 showcase clubs where you could like do three yeah. or four spots a night. And I still want like four or five years of that. 
It's so, it's grittier than LA too. I feel like better, LA better, has this, pussy, yeah. this pussified corporate vibe where people are just trying to get gigs as writers on sitcoms. Yeah, and to get into that, you need to be uh, basically a big Democrat, and that makes its way into their material and their attitude. No, it one hundred percent is you gotta be. It is cool, like when people are just like, because all of the people, like you said, that are trying to you know toe that line and do talk about the things that most of those people it doesn't work out for, especially if you're just yeah. like. If you don't have a hook, if you're just like some fucking yeah. like white dude that's doing comedy and you're like, yeah. oh, and again, if you're if you're not that person, then like, yeah, that sucks. Like, I guess maybe don't be a comedian right now if you yeah. don't feel like, uh, you know, uh, it, it, like to break a, to make an omelet, you need to break a few eggs sort of situation, totally. you know? Yeah. And I was watching Dom Irera's Full Frontal Comedy recently, which was a late 90s, I believe, comedy showcase that featured a bunch of comedians that are big now. But more than that, it featured a bunch of comedians that were never heard from again and didn't go anywhere. And you see these people performing and you realize, oh, this material they're spouting out could be told by absolutely anybody. There's no point of view. There's no yeah. balls. And a lot of people say that was the turning point in Louis C.K.'s career is when he stepped away from that style of generic observational comedy into I hate my kids. Marriage is miserable. I'm a fat, disgusting tub of lard. That became his material. And that's when he took off because it's fucking dangerous. Your family could desert yeah. you when you start saying shit like that. And it's the same with the kind of comedy we do. We could get kicked off YouTube. Uh, everybody that we went to school with could fucking ostracize us and everybody on our social media. But I think you and I realize that there's really no other way but to do what we would like to do and the kind of material we want. If you don't follow what, yeah, you think is funny, you know what I mean? That's why it's like, I, I even have with the industry, like I do all these sketches and those are probably like the biggest thing. And I get so many, anytime I'm talking to people in the industry or whatever, it's always like, so why are you doing all these like street interviews like this kind of like lowbrow shit yeah. when you have this thing? It's like it seems and like a lot of people say that to me and I'm like, because I think it's really funny and the people yeah. who like me think it's funny and you don't get yeah. that. That's yeah. what the, I've been saying this with the with the like because, you know, most places are left wing, but then there'll be the other places that are kind of reaching out to me that are like right wing and they're like, oh, we're free speech. And it's like, well, you're not. You're partisan on the other side. It's like you need a network that, that goes the way that like hip hop used to be or whatever, like any, where they go. I don't know what this guy is doing, but the kids seem to like it. Like that's yeah. what you, that's what a fucking executive should be doing. Like sensing yeah. the energy of like, there's this guy's got a thing going on. Yeah. I watched it and it was like special, not, you know, we'll decide our things, you know, bipartisan politics. So I think, I don't know. What do you think that the industry needs to change? Or do you think that the industry is like kind of screwed and there's people like you that are, you're like, why would I ever get involved with any of that? And are you talking about the mainstream industry? Yeah, like, like getting when, you legitimate know, writing gigs I mean, for networks and shit. I, I, I mean, I think you're above screwed. writing gigs. I mean, in my opinion, like you know, you you're doing millions and millions of views. You've got this huge fan base. Like, I don't see yeah. why you'd ever want to leave that to go be a fucking writer on something. Totally, but, totally. You know, like agree. why wouldn't you have a television show or a net? You know, whatever, whatever that may be. Like, does yeah. that? What do you think that world? You're just like, why? I'm what I'm doing is better, or do you think that they could get their act together and maybe you'd be interested? For a strict, from a strictly economic standpoint, I would never want to go do a Netflix show or go work for some cable network because I've seen how much fucking money Nelk and Danny Duncan make. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, those guys I are think Danny Duncan balling. makes. I think he makes a million dollars a month. No exaggeration yeah. off, off his merchandise. A million dollars a month with total autonomy over what he's putting out. So I don't see any reason to stray from YouTube after that. But I actually. And I sensed a little bit earlier in your question that this is what you were getting at. I actually think the state of the industry is is not as bad as people make it out to be. Like, I think YouTube is an incredibly fair platform. 
I really, yeah, very fair. Other than the fact that they can just dis- disintegrate you, but like they can. Like that. the Alex Jones thing was was fucking terrible. I absolutely hated that. But that seemed to be like who fucking knows who was pulling the strings on that. That was like fucking one of the Vanderbilts or fucking one of the Rockefellers that yeah, faceless and like ninety eight years old and trying to establish a one world government and doesn't want jones blowing the whistle but other than that <laughs> i mean they let steven crowder fucking stay on i've had one video well, he's down. actually not saying anything that crazy they just kind of pretend like he's really saying they're just saying like the conservative you know kind of talk that, like what about uh, nick DiPaolo? nick DiPaolo is pretty good like nick DiPaolo. well they got rid of him he got kicked off of youtube yeah you're nick right DiPaolo did <laughs> Yeah, I think really? he got he got back on, but yeah, he got like three hate speech strikes and he got kicked. Like, yeah, no, Nick, Di- you're right. Nick DiPaolo is constantly dealing with this, dude. Nick DiPaolo is gnarly, and he's one of my favorite comedians. But I gotta check this out. He's like uh, your quintessential like New York like Trump oh, guy. He's, oh, he's fucking great. But he, I, no, I, I've only so had he, one video removed, and it was for bodily fluids. And in, in re- retrospect, I don't know what I was thinking, being able to put it up on YouTube, or I don't know why I thought it wouldn't get taken down. But, I mean, it was one of our buddies licking up vomit. There was blood everywhere. It was just a complete <laughs> fluid orgy. That's all I've gotten taken down. And like we said earlier, I've done some gnarly stuff, picking up girls with Me Too accusations. Nick DiPaolo's show blocked on YouTube for two weeks. Yeah, two weeks is probably his second strike, right? Yeah, so I don't know the exact... My my point is, it's like, you know, that stuff gets in your... The same way that you're talking about, like, trying to listen to the industry gets in your head or listening to, like, the people that don't like or do like your stuff gets in your head... It it, it kind of can get in your head, that stuff, too. So, yeah. I mean, you I, know. I hate saying stuff like this. Like, it does fuck me up. And I'm like, oh, God, they're going after DePaulo. And then I start reviewing my catalog in my head. Like, oh, where have I gone too far? Do I need to start changing up my stuff? Because obviously, if you and I got kicked off YouTube, that'd be fucking devastating. We don't want that. Yeah, I mean, it we're, suck, we're ballsy, but... but we're not that ballsy. I mean, I don't know. Like, I kind of and when I was doing my started like my. I was and a lot of me is like I'm surprised they haven't, but I haven't got hate speech strikes and stuff like that on my podcast. So yeah, I, I think it should be pretty clear that we're not like fucking anti semites or giant white supremacists or something. Like I've never. I am uh, <laughs> nice, but both things. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. No, I, I was saying this the other day. Like a lot of people will be like, "Oh, these white dudes are sexist, homophobic, and racist," and I'm like, "No, I'm just sexist." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm homophobic, so I think yeah. All four corners covered now. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, I. Uh, I don't think that there's any risk of us getting kicked off YouTube. And like the I Nick DiPaolo, I, I love. Well, Nick the one DiPaolo, thing is but... that's what that's the one thing about like you. You know, again, like you said, you got some cash now, so you can get lawyers and deal with it. So like you are, yeah. there is a point where you're like a little better positioned. But hey, yeah, can I? I, I got I do like questions, and I do uh, everyone. Can you uh, want to answer this question with me? Let's do it. Let's do it. Boys, question. I thought this is a pretty good one. I feel like Danny would have a good uh, uh-huh. synopsis in this. Okay, so this guy, he's 18 years old. The chick's 18, and he says, "Bro, I need help. I'm dating a girl who I'm not into anymore, and I want to end it with. <laughs> I want to end it without her fucking killing herself or whatever, mm. something like that. What's the best way to do it? Do you have any advice?" Ooh. First of all, she's 18 years old. She's yeah. going to be fine. It's one thing to string along a girl for seven years Couldn't into agree her mid-30s more. and yeah. then cut her off when her eggs are starting to go bad. That's a scary thought, huh? That chicks need to choose wisely once they start getting to baby-bearing age. An 18-year-old dude, it's completely fine. In your own little universe of your mind, I know it seems like life or death, you breaking up with this girl. But uh, be mature, tell her her pussy stinks, and get the fuck out of town. 
Okay, so let's say I couldn't agree more that that's the move. It's like, obviously, just break up with this chick. Who cares? But then when you're in logistics, you're like, I've literally been in scenarios where I was dating girl. And because maybe I'm a pussy, but twice in my life, I've moved to a new city as a (laughs) to break up with a chick. Dude, I've moved to L.A. and I moved to New York. But two times I've moved instead of breaking up, like held it out till there. And you're like, I'm moving just because it's so hard. So I was. Yeah. And it's, I have the same thing totally with work too. I was always afraid right. to put in my two weeks notice, which is the correct thing to do. I would just not show up and block all right. the numbers of everybody. It's very hard. Network. It's tough to look somebody in the eye and tell them you're through. I've never dumped a girl. I've only been dumped horribly, really? heartbreakingly what twice. For? What would you get dumped for? Like cheating or shit like that? Or just because you stink? I, when you fall hard for the first time, and especially when the girl might be a little bit out of your league, which my first girlfriend was, she was a gorgeous Jewish girl, like incredible shape, tan skin, freshman at UCLA when I was at UCLA, and I couldn't think about anything else other than her. I would send her a text message and then wait. Really? You wouldn't strike me as that guy. I was absolutely that guy. I don't know if I trust a guy who's never been a had the shit beat out of him and be been dumped horribly right i uh yeah man and then that's just suffocating attention is repellent to everybody and it was eventually to her and she broke up with me and she was all i could think of for four five six months i think like a year after she dumped me and then uh the other girl told me she fucked the dude with a giant cock in her past (laughs) and i a big 6.5 inch penis dude she told me she was like yeah i met this 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 black dude in france and he made me dinner and we had sex and it was a couple months before her and i started dating and i've got a very unimpressive or average penis and i couldn't get over that i just had this down why would she mention the self-esteem spiral i we were both coked out and i you had the cardinal sin of prying yeah committed two cardinal sins leaving my face in a dick picture and asking about the dick size of a girl's ex-lover don't do it (laughs) don't do it 18 year old kid who asked this question but yeah i guess we're you and i are both not the guys to ask this how do i let a girl down no but i think so i i think i do have like somewhat of an answer because this is what i I, like the actual logistics of it you want to get it to to the point where the hard part is to just mention it the first time right so you want to essentially Whatever you normally fight about, like if you're drinking or whatever, get in that big fight like when you're drinking and then mention that like maybe we shouldn't be together or whatever. So get that into the air. Mm. I think you need to get the idea that you potentially might be breaking up into the air a couple times. And then you transfer these over to text messages, especially if you're 18, because you probably talk on text messages mostly. So once you get the attitude of like, <laughs> we might be breaking up, then now that you're on text, you'd be like, then you can craft your things of being yeah. like, listen, I honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. And then never make it about them, make it about you. So you go, I just don't think that like, I'm ready for this. And like, honestly, you're perfect. And maybe in like five years, but I really like can't do this. I need to figure some shit out. Act like you're tormented. Like I'm just like such a mess right now. And I can't bring that on you. You know, never make it about her. So I think (laughs) I like how you leaned into your cowardice. You're like, well, basically (laughs) you need to create a fake fight and then you need to dovetail off that. And what I was going to do was like, oh, you need to be noble and you need to tell her to (laughs) over a cup of tea at noon. Right. No, I think maybe we could find the people that listen to boys guys are cool guys, but we're all cowards. (laughs) Yeah, Oh, absolutely. And I love how you were honest about it. And I think, too, there might be opportunity right now, depending on if these are college lovers 
if they're from different cities, holidays are coming up, which could mean prolonged absence from each other. And I can't think of an easier way to do it than after having not seen her right. for three weeks. Because you and I both know, like once you see the girl again and you fuck and then you go out and get lunch together, uh, it, you're not going to have the balls to tell her it's done. Like, no, no, no. But if, if you do, that's the other thing. If, like, did you want, because this girl's only 18, you might want to leave it open for a couple more smashes in the future. So you want to end mm. on like, <laughs> you want to end on somewhat, somewhat good terms. Yeah. I break up with her and then DM me on Instagram her phone number because. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so and then have Danny take care of her. Yeah, you girl chicks care. like Danny. Yeah, <laughs> but I uh, I do think hopefully they're college students and then he can use that absence for winter break. That's great new advice slowly, also. <laughs> to, to slow down the, the pace of communication to like once every other day, then once every now we're days. talking. Yeah. And then, and then it's going to be a lot easier just to cut the cord. Or you go with I'm gay. Like, oh, these are also legitimate options. These are all brave, mature ways to end a relationship. <laughs> there was like. Do you think uh, it also there's another part where it's funny because he's like, you know, this girl's going to kill herself. And I've been that guy, too. And I'm just like, you know, this girl couldn't handle breaking up with me. And it's like it's just we're such fucking like egomaniacs sometimes. Oh, like, yeah. I can't break up with this girl. So it's end it, dude. And yeah. no one can get broken up by me. Like their life would be over without me. And you're like, she's fucking 18. It'll be nothing. It'll be a glip in her like yeah, thing, you know, totally, man. I, I so feel for this guy. Like my girl and I got into a fight in July, because for a video, I thought it was a comedy bit. I made out with a girl who one of our fans who had like spina bifida and had a cane and shit. He made out with a chick at a party who was super hot. And I thought it'd be funny if we both made out with her. <laughs> you have so many As videos a, that you making out with chicks. <laughs> yeah, you cracked the system on how to cheat for sure. No, like, I, yeah, exactly. new YouTube video. Danny fucks nine college girls <laughs> like on different <laughs> nights. No cameras. <laughs> I did fuck a hooker in one of my videos, but she was repulsive, so it wasn't as big of a deal. My Were you with your I, chick at the time? No, I wasn't. Uh. But she still knows about that video and wasn't repelled. But her and I did have a talk about making out with chicks, and it's okay, my girlfriend said, if the girl is a six or down. <laughs> well, this girl was supposedly not a six or down. So we were fighting, and there was some distance between us because I was filming in a remote location. And what you said, Ryan, is totally true, that once there's already conflict, it becomes so much easier to terminate the relationship right so i guess what we're saying is create a false conflict create a false conflict but don't, it can't don't be talk yet. to her very often and uh, geographical separation if you have an aunt who lives in vail colorado <laughs> go visit her for winter yeah see this is why like even with this is why you're good at videos right it's like precision i'm not here to give you the girl version the dax you know shepherd where it's like honestly you need to look inside yourself and if you're not right for each other it's like no yeah we need a plan we need execution yeah. to get into yeah. this relationship yeah i thought my girlfriend and i were gonna break up during that fight and so yeah I, I, your theory spot on i think my theory has some some substance to it too i think we combine those a yeah fight you know what and distance Fight and distance. You know what? The, like the actually, I had one more point about the deck. Everything, even though it, mm -hmm. since I just brought it up again, I'm gonna look this is, fuck up. Yeah. The other thing that um, like I was kind of thinking about this, and I wanted you to weigh in on it is with a lot of those uh kind of guys, especially ones that like seem more feminine or girls that give girls advice. A lot of the advice is like how to get in touch with yourself or how to um, you know, heal like things that are wrong with you or become a better person. But I feel like with men, it's like, no, no, no. Figure out how to get what the fuck you want and then figure out that stuff after. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, that's more of a 40 thing. It's like, 
you know, yeah. and I, the truth is like, you actually might sometimes become a worse person or you might actually, it's the COVID thing, right? It's like the players that are the best are the players that can play with like an injury, not mm-hmm. the players that spend, you know, all their time fixing the injury sometimes. Right. So yeah. I think that a lot of times it's like, you're better off forgetting all that fucking mushy bullshit and figuring out how, who you are as a, you know, obviously that comes natural, but I think it's better to focus on like how to get the life you want, like how to get, you know, put mm-hmm. yourself set up financially and then totally give the whole rest of your life to, you know, figure out how to have a good relationship and how to, you know, totally, man. Self-esteem partially comes from within. And I've had to learn a lot of that this year. I've had to read a lot of books and figure out how to run my head to deal with the amounts, amount of pressure I'm under. But then again, you can do all the soul searching and introspection you want. But if you still work as a fry cook at Denny's and you drive <laughs> a 1992 Honda Civic, there's a physical exterior reason why you have low self-esteem. And for me, Dr. Drew said this once. We'll come back to the example that's popped up a couple times here, penis size. Dr. Drew said that oftentimes men who are in their 20s and haven't accomplished anything real, their penis becomes an antenna for their insecurities and all of their insecurities that are really about their shitty relationship. The fact that they live with their parents, that they have a job where they're getting paid eight thirty-two an hour. All of those insecurities manifest in penis fear. Whereas if once they start solving these, po- these problems that have to do with their life, all the insecurity, penis related and otherwise, starts to clear up. And for me, that's totally been the case. Since I become a YouTuber and I've turned my passions into an income versus being a busboy, which was my day job before I started being yeah. a YouTuber my sense of self-worth and my ability to go out in public and hang out with my friends and family and hold my head up high is completely changed. Yeah. And then you, then you can nurture all that other like bullshit afterwards, which you probably are. I bet you become a better person as a result of that. Totally, man. And, um, it's like as a YouTuber, I've had to learn how to be a CEO. I didn't learn how to fucking do that. When well, I was... you're mad efficient. I mean, I mean, even yesterday, like you said, you work six days a week. So we were going to do this yesterday. And then you were like, listen, like I got to take the day off because yeah. things just got like way too crazy. Is that, yeah. is that your system? Sort of like work yourself to the bone and then take like a day off, like where you completely yeah. clear everything as opposed to. Yeah, I think I mean, to me, that is like a way to do it. But at the end of the day, all that stuff looks messy, but you get your video up on time every fucking week, right? Sometimes this week it might come up on Saturday, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to disappoint everybody, <laughs> but but yeah, man, it's if you put in who was it? it was one of the great fucking generals like uh, Eisenhower MacArthur said, if a man does his best, what else is there? I think if a man does his best, what else is there? If a man is a good person, what else is there? I do my best every week, and that includes a day of rest. I used to try to do the seven days a week nonstop thing, and that is actually not doing your best because you can't be your most productive self when you're not giving yourself any time to recover. I do that, and I try to be a good guy, and if the video comes up late or if I'm overwhelmed or if I need to take a random Tuesday off, so be it. I'm gotcha. doing my best, and I'm trying to be a good person. So what's your, like, Dan, on what's your, like, efficiency? T- what's your, do you have any, like, number one efficiency tips for people? Like that, like that you live by, because it sounds like you read books and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, do you have anything that becomes like a mantra where you're like, "This is one of the few." I'll g- I'll give you an example of one yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I was just talking about this. Um, when you're organizing your days, like it's one thing if you're like, "Okay, I have a day where I'm going to do like ten things and they're just odds and ends." But most days have like one sole task you're going to get done, or at the very most two if you're splitting your day in half. 
Because mostly if you say you're going to get six things done, you're going to get zero things done. So mm-hmm. if it's, hey, I'm editing this, or today I'm doing a bunch of press, or today yeah. I'm writing I'm writing this script, you know? Yeah. Whatever it is, if you have more than two things that you're going to get done, you probably just end up getting a bunch of things done crappily. Yeah. That's another thing too, man. I need to learn how to delegate better because right now there are definitely more than two things I'm doing, but I would say there are two primary things. It usually comes down to comedy preparation, which is studying comedy and writing comedy and then editing. And then there are other things like there'll be a podcast here or there'll be uh, sorting out some Instagram clips to post or to do some merchandise stuff, talk to an artist, talk to my supplier guy. I think that's good advice. I will just add on top of some of the more cliched ones like wake up early, make your bed, which I think absolutely do work. JP, be great. Be local great. drug addict, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> People get yeah. so mad. Dude, yeah. I, I've said that a couple of times in the podcast. And yeah, then I just, people I just, fucking uh, go crazy when you talk shit about Jordan Peterson. Here's 12, uh, 12 <laughs> people, rules for life right here. I like Jordan Peterson, but I always think it's funny. But just, it's just funny that like, you know, he, whatever. I know everyone's correcting me already, but because mm. he had the addiction to the painkillers or whatever the mm. thing, I don't know what the story is. And then he went to these doctors and he has this thing. And it was just like, it was just funny to me that like, you know, everyone's heroes <laughs> say he's a drug addict. Always make me laugh yeah. so much. I mean, who fucking knows, though? He might have taken like a half a bottle of prescribed Valium and freaked out and thought he was an addict and went in and turned himself in preemptively. For me, I just don't have any tolerance for that stuff in my normal life. Like if I have a friend that's like going through like, you know, he's had to take a year off because, you know, he's really going through this addiction to pain. I go, or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I tend to be the same way you are, man. I tend to not really tolerate excuses in myself or in others. I The guy ran himself dry. The guy ran himself to the bone. You know what I mean? He yeah. just that in my opinion, that's what happened with Jordan Peterson. He fucking for three years straight, he ran himself to the fucking ground. Yeah. And a lot of people hated him, too, man. It's not easy being a controversial top uh, person like you or I. It's just not easy. Not. It's not easy being it's on tough. top or, or su- it, being successful has a lot of great things about it, but it's got a lot of negatives associated with it. <laughs> it's people very stressful. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely. And uh, I'll say a way that I've cured that stress that's been huge for me is being grateful. I've read enough now that you tend to see lessons repeated over and over in history, whether they be from Stoics or in the Bible or more modern guys like Jordan Peterson or Tony Robbins. There seems to be this reoccurring theme of gratitude. And so I do in the morning after I make my coffee, think of five things I'm grateful for. And if I'm stressed out and I'm having a hard time getting to bed, I write down physically five things I'm grateful for before I go to bed because there are a lot of massive conveniences in your life right now where if you just take the time to look around and appreciate them, you'll, your heart rate will go down. Your It changes your body control. chemistry, yeah. You, totally, man. And it's, we, I mean, you and I are driven guys. We're always thinking about what the next investment's going to be, the next chunk of money that's going to hit our bank account and what we're going to do with it. But right now, if you realize, if you look around, like I've got fucking shelter, I've got running water, I've got a refrigerator full of food. I'm fucking fine, dude. I have family and friends who love me. Six inch piece. I got a six inch cock and it's it's not that thin. Very thin. It's like a blade of grass. <laughs> Pretty thin, but it's not that. It could be worse. <laughs> yeah, that's great, dude. I, I, I like, uh, I do know what you mean. And it's like even just a, a way of changing things in your brain. Like when you think of things, like I said this in a different podcast, but it's like, oh, you have to do this. And you'd be like, no, I get to do this. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, I have this, this, all, all these things you go look at three years ago. 
all of those, uh, there's a bunch of stuff that I wouldn't, uh, that I would have wanted. And those are in place now. So that's, you know, some of these things Absolutely. That you work, and you go, and I said, like, it, it does get corny when you get on these topics, but I was like, someone was like, well, you know, Getting what if you don't see Dak Shepard territory? Yeah. And you go, but you, but it's, it's the difference. Cause you're talking about actual things as opposed to yourself, but yeah, it's like, you can still be bad, but be better than you were a month ago. Yeah. So it's like looking at like the improvement versus the like uh, the actual <laughs> what do you call it? Yeah. The improvement versus the absolute. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Or comparing yourself to other people like Nelk or yeah. Danny Duncan who make a million a month. It's easy to compare yourself to them or people. There's always someone bigger. Absolutely. Or there's always somebody who you think in the moment is funnier than you. You can fucking have a podcast, a podcast guest on who kills. And you're like, ah, oh, God damn it. This guy's making me look kind of bad. Or you can go to a comedy show when a guy's material is just stellar. And then you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm nothing compared to this guy. And uh, you can't do that, dude. Like, I mean. I was watching fucking football Monday night. Tom Brady looked like fucking garbage, but he's still Tom Brady. Yeah. He's going to come out next week and have a killer game. He's still the greatest of all time. Everybody has bad days. It just, you got to um, be grateful for what you have, I think. And, and detach yourself with it like that. Even when you're talking about someone like Tom Brady, it's like you get, uh, sometimes you get so much fucking like people like hating or yelling at you or whatever. And then you kind of, you take it so personally, but. If you look at, you know, the, you know, like football players, they, it's the same thing. And you go, <laughs> whatever, like you wouldn't think of them like, oh, that must be hard. But he, they all deal with that. But I think the reason why it's a little different now is because when I get hate, I actually am not thinking like, oh, I'm mad that these people hate me or whatever. I'm thinking like, oh, fuck, are they going to can Am I getting canceled? Like, mm. I'm like, I'm more like this is like a legitimate like threat that needs to be neutralized. Yeah. So you actually I don't, I don't do think we're big enough to be canceled. I don't. At least. Dude, I know some in the comedy community. I know ten like open mic comedians that are like ostracized from Toronto because okay. of like nothing. So but you, I mean, get, you know, I know people who get got... fired from their job at fucking Kinkos because of but, you like, know. You and I, as long as we don't get kicked off YouTube, which again I don't think is going to happen. Like you always have this forum to make and your a Patreon living. And stuff. You're right. Yeah, that's right. You're doing it, it right. Well, Patreon yeah. is even worse than YouTube as far as censorship. So that's not bit. necessarily always something we can count on. I have thought, like, if I got kicked off Patreon, I would just have to focus on merch a lot more. But yeah, even if you got kicked out of the local comedy scene, like, fuck them. What are they? They're performing to a room of 30 people. But you, like, if you're a stand-up, like, you can't do stand-up anymore. Yeah, dude, I think... It's like being I a mean, scientist, and they're like, you're banned from every lab in New York. <laughs> okay. I mean, wh why do you want to do stand-up? Do you want to do it just for the artistic pursuit? Do you want to do it for financial reasons? Because I'm more and more starting to see stand-up as obsolete as a career path. Yeah, I mean, stand-up, I don't think, is the career path. That's not how I look at it. Stand-up is the business card. So to me, stand-up is the, like, it's the it's the whole thing. So all of this, if you think of your my orbit or whatever, like my life is a, you know, little solar system or whatever you want to think of it, stand-up's the centerpiece, right? Mm. That's you, like, raw. That's, like, your opinions. And not everyone's like that. I mean, there was a time in my life where that centerpiece was music. And then I was like doing shows around that, but it depends on like we are, but for me, that's like the purest one. That's kind of like yeah. the only one that doesn't involve any other components. And it's just like, here's my hour of, and it's the only objective art form too. Right. So me and you could look at our videos and we could say, 
oh, maybe this one's better. You maybe can look at views. You can maybe take opinions. Stand-up's like with the only art form that's like sports where it's actually there's an objective component where two people go back to back. So someone could be like, oh, this guy's bigger. He's better. It's like, oh, well, let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Let's go in crowd 20 minutes and do it back to back. Let's see. So to me, that's the like the 100 meter dash, yeah. even if you're I mean, an NFL again, player. Chris D'Elia has put up multiple Netflix specials that are unwatchable and he was still the biggest comedian in the world. until. Well, you know, I, again, though, and that's listen, I'm not like some Chris D'Elia apologist. And I mean, mm-hmm. for his comedy, not for the other stuff, but <laughs> like if you talk about him specifically, that is perfect. It's like all, so much people will go, Chris D'Elia is the worst. They hate it or whatever. Okay, right. Um, he's a great even, podcaster. He is a great podcaster. Yeah, but let's just, let's just stick with a stand-up and people go, mm-hmm. okay, this guy's not going to stand up. But he is, though. You might not like it, but like he objectively is. And even the things people say, they go, oh, he doesn't even tell jokes. And you go, okay, will you go kill for an hour without telling jokes, as you say? That even yeah. makes it even harder. Again, I don't really like it. It's just like there is an objectivity to this. It's like a basketball player that like scored 20 baskets and you're like, I or however many is a lot of baskets. <laughs> and, you, and you're like, this guy sucks. And you're like, he doesn't though. So yeah. Chris D'Elia, again, I don't like this isn't my, it's for ch- chicks. It's for whatever. But, but if you put him in a room, Ryan, he murders. I, I went out to New York. We did a comedy show in New York last year, and we sold it out. I saw you. I completely, I completely sold it. People went fucking nuts. People were so psyched to see me, and I went up there, and I did my fucking material. I was hammered drunk. It went okay, and a lot of people would say, objectively, I'm a good stand-up comedian if the only metric is putting butts in seats and getting laughs, but yeah. I know I'm a terrible stand-up comedian. Well, I, I mean, just because you haven't fans. done it that much. Like, yeah. you obviously are a funny dude. Like, every person that I know that's hilarious uh, eventually was good at stand-up. There's lots of, yeah. you know, there's lots of in-between, but the it's like, it really was, when I started stand-up, the three guys that I know that were, like, the three funniest people in the scene, like, by a long shot, lo and behold, 10 years later, those are the three best stand-ups. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. As stand-up for me, I wanted, I was like you, and I'm not saying like, oh, I've, I've grown beyond the, this feeble mindset. But no, I, no, I, I, I get I, it. Stand-up's fucking stupid. It's a stupid yeah. life. It's a crappy art. <laughs> but like, you know, it just it is what it is. Yeah, I, I used what to I'm get doing. the feeling that, that that was the thing that I needed to focus on and everything else was just a way to arrive at the end of, of touring and, and going yeah. and selling out theaters. But then I started to realize that like, there are a lot of people who have, done comedy very very well over the past 50 years and a lot of times i listen to like a greg giraldo or to a nick DePaulo, and i'm like that guy just said like half the shit i think about and wish i could write good material about it's been done whereas youtube right. is a new frontier there are shows that have been similar to mine on network television or on cable, but they had a bunch of corporate advertisers behind them. They had a star who was probably a stand-up comedian himself and didn't really want to be there and wasn't too invested. YouTube is this place where I can be solely focused on this and put in six days a week to Couldn't make a unique more. and yeah. creative com- comedy forms. Yeah. So I've started to see it, to me, as a more valuable path for me personally it's a 100% I mean, and even on more important than that your formative years were spent there right so it's like there is this other element of like a lot of people if your formative years are spent at stand-up like that is kind of how you like interface with comedy in the world like even how I do my videos like it all kind of stems from like how I like interface with energy and find out what you can say on stage where that's not how yeah. you developed how to do that so I yeah. think for you it is true it's like for for you to switch now and be like oh I'll be like a stand-up it's like you'll be at like a disadvantage even because you just didn't like you didn't uh you're obviously like a fully formed human with like a perspective and you know an infrastructure and so i think that 
you know, you'd have to break that down and build it up again to start stand up at like where you're at in your career. So I think it just depends on like who the person is and what their life's like. Yeah. Stand up, you got to do a lot of nasty introspection too. I feel like uh, in some way I'd be less happy if I started letting in all the dark thoughts. Like I read a lot of fucking literature, like William Faulkner, Ernest Hemingway. Those guys were just miserable, sad sacks of shit. <laughs> and you sort of had I to hate be the that sad way. Sad artists. <laughs> it's bad, dude. New I, York's I mean, the I ultimate sad boy town, too. Totally, totally, man. It's lame. And then for stand up, I feel like I'd have to get into that a little bit more. I'd have to start going out more <laughs> and having more human interactions. Where now I can just do everything from behind my desk, just happy as shit. And uh, so maybe it's that psychological out too that I don't have to be like a sad introspective guy to do this. <laughs> I agree, dude. No, I think you're fucking killing it. So I wouldn't uh, if I was if if it was all like if I was doing it again and I was starting now. I I don't think I would, but that's just you know it's not going to like rewrite what the situation is. And yeah. for me, totally. Also, I take my primary influence is stand up. I was listening to was listening to this morning, uh, Doug Stanhope, like a Doug Stanhope album from 2009. Like that's yeah. during the day. Like that's what's always going through my head or what I'm pumping into my brain is just stand up. So I totally respect the art form. I think the best comedians are in stand up. I just for me personally don't want to get some into of them. That. Like I don't think any, you know, like you want to take Fred Armisen or Mike Myers. Like it's, it's, it doesn't matter. Right. It's like mm. they just the. Whatever you choose, there's lots of fucking talent doing all. Yeah, so there's no yeah. there's no right or wrong answer. And are you already like are fucking running a little empire. So like, how would you step away from that and spend thirty hours a week on fucking? It just doesn't make sense. It's all. so much hard work. Yeah, I mean, you know as well as anybody that to become competent at stand up, it's just it's not the same. Like an example is Adam Carolla, who I think is one of the most gifted angelic comedians that exists. His ability to just talk into a microphone and make it as hilarious as any stand ups act yeah. is is incredible to me. But when he does real stand up, there's something off. It doesn't work because he doesn't have the hours logged. And that's yeah. a great example of how singular your pursuit of stand up must be to be great. Yeah, even even and it's I think I think Patton Oswald said this, but it's like everyone who becomes great at stand up kind of needed like at least 7 years where that's the only thing they thought about. Yeah. And it's true, but it's really hard to even now it's like I kind of it's it's I wouldn't be able to like now I'm at this place where I'm like fully formed as a comedian and a video maker and all that stuff. It's like, I mean, you say you read a lot and stuff, but when you're learning how to do something new, do you have time to like really step aside from what you're doing and, you know, spend three months or a year like really? It's like you're you're 30 now. It's like the 20s was the time to develop your like skills. It's like once you're 30, you're kind of to some degree like, all right, these are the skills like. <laughs> Get, now get to work and you know, use what you have and totally. then maybe 40 you yeah. step back if you've got money maybe you take two years whatever it is but i think in terms of like how to design your life i yeah. think once you get 30 it's like you can't afford like four four new years of like oh let's start some, it's like kind of like no this is the time to yeah. use what you like built in your in yourself and your skill set in your life yeah. to like try to do something great with it now right Totally, man. You should have hopefully identified something in your youth that you were really good at or that you had some sort of proclivity for. And you should have developed that hopefully in your 20s. And once you're at 30, it becomes hard to do what you and I did in our 20s to be on tour, to be broke, to be uh, working in a kitchen when you have a family. And it's impossible. When it's no longer cute. So, yeah, ideally, <laughs> it's no longer yeah romantic. 
To- absolutely not. 30's so, yeah. the cutoff where it's like legitimately like that 3-0 is when it's like everyone's like, all right, dude, <laughs> it's not cool anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think... And, and 40's I when it gets sad. <laughs> yeah, but like if you're listening to this, I don't think you should necessarily fucking shoot yourself in the head with a pistol if you're 32 and you haven't made it yet and whatever you're What does made it mean? I just mean like... Yeah. Th- I don't mean made it. I mean like have your shit together. Don't be fucking a mess. Yeah. Don't have like all your relationships in a mess. Don't like have your fucking not like de- depression like in any way out of control. Don't be like yeah. hugely overweight. Like ha- just have your fucking life together. You absolutely. know, I'm not saying they yeah. have like there's anything wrong with having any job. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like if you want to be a stand up or if you want to try stand up and you're 39, you better have a desk job during the day and you better be working after hours. Yeah, and you better have an apartment that you rent and some money saved or have made a bunch of money and then you can. F- I, that was the biggest advice that if I say I look back when I was 20 that I messed up was I really kind of bought into the idea that like worry about the art and like don't worry about the money whereas like I really should have been like no the it's the opposite it's like figure out how to make money and then you can actually do your fucking art and get great yeah. you know like the I, the people that fucking ran some company when they were like 20 kind of made like 400k and then like yeah. worked for the next you know it's you can really do great things with like money is like so necessary and yeah. I think it's like in America in North America we tell mm, Maybe in Canada more, but you sort of like there's that like dirty connotation. But you're like, no, it's just a fucking tool like anything else, and you need it. So figure Absolutely. out how to make it, and your, the rest yeah. of your life will be easier. Yeah, it's like your moral responsibility, really. Because ooh, I like that. Yeah, it, it is because if you ask me who the let like the I mean the biggest shit bags in the world to me are people who are on welfare, who are ha- having a bunch of kids that they can't pay for. They're probably leading a lifestyle that's gonna fuck up their kids, whether it's the stepdad coming in and molesting the daughter or the son <laughs> growing up to be a gangbanger. The the poor, I know they the fucking AOC and fucking Joe Biden jerk them off as if they're these fucking angels. But uh, the best people on earth are like T Boone Pickens and John D. Rockefeller, who donated millions and millions of dollars to charity. They actually did something to help people. Or somewhere in between those two extremes is a person who's able to take care of his family and his parents in old age and his girlfriend and his wife and his his kids. And you need money to do that. Yeah. You can put yourself in a position where you can actually help people as opposed to like you're like, what's 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 more important? Like a, what's better to the world? Like a guy who fucking seemed selfish but actually helped a lot of people or yeah. a person that like that seemed like they were nice but didn't actually do anything and i think that's yeah. like the fucking it's a, people hated jp morgan because he cheated on his wife all the time and he fucked up the economy sometimes sorry for being sick yeah and he smoked a lot of cigars I, that was the reason i liked him was all the philandering but he also anonymously donated tens of millions of dollars probably hundreds of millions in today's money to hospitals that took care of poor women he did all kinds of shit for people, donated massive amounts of money to art museums and to universities. But everybody thinks J.P. Morgan, oh, he's rich. He must be evil. No. Yeah, I watched that series, uh, The Men Who Built America. It was pretty crazy. They fucking nice. went through their story. I, that's a recommended if you want to get the scoop on what <laughs> Damon's talking about. If you want to know who J.P. was fucking, watch Men Who Built America. Yeah. But I think that's a good place to let you go. But... Dude, that was a fucking awesome conversation. You're the man. That was great, man. I loved what's, it, dude. What's your uh, What's your socials? Let everyone know uh, where to find you. Sure, man. Yeah, just Danny Mullen on YouTube is the main thing. And then Danny Mullen on Instagram and Twitter if you care more than the people who just look at the YouTube channel. Yeah, and if you like my stuff, especially like the street stuff, I'm 90% sure you're going to fucking love Danny. 
All right, this has been the Boys Cast.